The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that avocados are actually armadillo eggs? That's right. Every time you eat guacamole, you're responsible for the deaths of hundreds of armadillos. You fucking monsters. But but then why is guacamole so delicious? Wait, how do you know that? I don't. Uh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> for more armadillo-related facts and to find out how you can access episodes a day early, check us out at patreon.com slash club. The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there. Welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Mike Sparkman. And today we're talking about chapters 25 through 27 of Path of Daggers, book eight of The Wheel of Time. Last time. Previously, we made up for the rest of the book's lack of Rand chapters by spending the entire damn time with Rand and the Shan Chan. With teleporting murder wizard powers, Rand launches a surprisingly effective offensive, driving the Shan Chan all the way back to Ebudar with a pretty tiny army. Uh, but then Rand, of course, gets greedy. He's like, oh, I'm the dragon reborn. I'm a big honking Tavarin. I'm the king of lightning or whatever. So pretty clearly he's out of his gourd. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think that was one of his names in the Karayathon cycle. The May the king of lightning or whatever ride again on the winds of time. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> the annoying part about all of that he's, is he's actually pretty nearly right. I mean, he doesn't he definitely doesn't win exactly, but he's doesn't really straight up lose either. He pulls out his calendar sword and calls down a metric fuckload of lightning, which is, of course, the technical term for just a whole bunch of lightning. Uh, yeah, that's larger than a standard fuckload. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the imperial fuckload of lightning. <laughs> so yeah, he just zorches everything and then pieces out. And I guess it's a good thing that this particular army was made up mostly of people who he didn't like anyway, because uh, I think a bunch of them are dead now. Uh, yeah. Also well planned. Yeah. But also the Dragon Legion and a couple of hundred Black Tower folks. So, uh, you know, what are you going to do, right? I mean, none of those guys were going to live for a real long time anyway. Yeah, that's a great point. You could consider the Black Tower folks more or less expendable because they're all going crazy. I mean, like it's it's each one individually is like a ticking time bomb. So he just killed two hundred time bombs that could have yeah, taken up the world. He kind of saved the world, right? <laughs> yeah. Here's a question because I've been wondering a lot why Mazarin Tain has not gone crazy shit bananas when I think last time they said that like one out of every nine guys had already gone insane uh, of the Ashaman, like. Is there a deal to be made with maybe like Forsaken or something in terms of like, can they have control over like whether or not you go crazy, go nuts or not? Maybe the Forsaken themselves don't go crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so I like, think, do they have some control over that taint or whatever? I, well, I mean, the, the taint comes from the Dark One and the, the Forsaken work for the Dark One. So presumably the Dark One does something where he's like, I won't rub my taint on you if you, uh, <laughs> if you come be in my wizard army. <laughs> okay. Okay, so then if you were a male dark friend, you'd actually have a pretty good incentive then to actually be one. There's actually there, so there you go right there. Yeah, that makes sense, right? That's yeah. a really that, good point. So that we found the one class of dark friend that actually is better off working for the dark one, and that's who right. male channelers. 
Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, because if you don't join the Dark One, you go crazy and kill your whole family. Yeah, your, your options are burn out, be corrupted, go insane, and rot alive while after killing everyone you love. Or go work for the Dark One and maybe yeah, get rich. Or, 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 yeah, go work for the team that, let's be honest, probably going to win anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do have all the Forsaken. Chapter 25, An Unwelcome Return. Icon of the Black Aja. So this is an Elida chapter. You know, I guess with uh, Egwene stepping up her timeline, we probably aren't going to have a lot more Elida chapters. <laughs> yeah, I think Elida might get shorter by a head pretty soon. <laughs> I mean, she she's not my favorite character, so I won't be super sad if she, you know, gets uh, out. Yeah, so she's yeah. meeting with the sitters in the White Tower. Um, their information is actually pretty good, but they don't believe any of it. Yeah, I know. All of their, it's like they're, they've got really good information, but terrible assumptions. Yeah, they're like, they don't believe about the Ashaman, they don't believe about the rebels, they don't believe about the Shanchen Domini. Mm-hmm. They think, you know, maybe they've got like three of them. And Sora Leah had just had the exact same problem, too. Like, oh my God, guys, listen to your spies, listen to the information you've been getting. Yeah, right? I mean, they, they must hear a lot of information that, I mean, we don't see it, but, but they must hear a lot of information that isn't right for them to not believe this stuff because, you know, they're dead on. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, in the middle of this, Alvion returns from somewhere, wherever she's been, and viciously reigns in Elida. Because I guess since she's been gone, Elida has been playing at Amerlin again. Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. funny because like the, the whole beginning of this chapter, Elida is clearly in such a good mood. Like she's having such a good time, you know? Uh, and then and then it's revealed that Alviaran's been missing for, a, a, I guess, a few weeks, right? For A couple weeks. Yeah. So then Alviaran shows up and it's just like, Alviaran just like swoops in and craps all over Elida's like, good day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just like so efficient. Yeah. And just brutally, like she beats her up, right? Uh, yeah. And, she she sends someone to uh, to spank her, I think. The, yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the, the mistress of the novices or whatever. Yeah. And so Elida is being tortured, basically, because otherwise, because she's super worried that Alviarin will out her stupid plan about Rand. Right. Anyway, so then it's good. You know, screw Elida. Yeah, she's um, the worst. Then Alviarin checks in with Masana. I keep forgetting that Alviarin's answering to someone who's even nastier than she is. <laughs> yeah. And Masana seems to be giving Alviarin orders to increase discord in the White Tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just in general, turn the Ajas against each other, uh, which I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe maybe just to make the White Tower weak. Yeah, I, I think the idea is this, that there's should, there should be a Forsaken with each of the factions, making them weaker. Because we've got uh, Masana here. We've got um, what's his name the the former male Forsaken who's now uh, Delana Halima. Uh, no. Halima, oh. you're right. Yeah, 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 she, yeah. Who works for Delana? Yeah, uh, and we've got Dashiva. Dashiva, <laughs> yeah, sewing. Why? Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> clearly a forsaken, and Majram Tame, also right. clearly a forsaken, and Linny. Wait, always oh. also a forsaken. Old Linny is a no, for- of course. Wait, she's yeah. forsaken. Yeah, right. They're I mean, all didn't, forsaken, they, didn't they talk about that one forsaken that always had the right saying for a particular situation? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, she is older than anyone has a right to be, right? <laughs> right, right. Suspiciously. Yeah. And uh, But Masana lets slip a little bit of information, apparently, 
Alviaren sees the hem of her skirt that she's wearing a bronze skirt with black threading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah, you know, Alviaren is is playing like she's she's you know fully subjugated, but she's clearly like subtly plotting against Masana. Which so she's yeah. got to be a, a brown, right? Uh, mm-hmm. no. I mean, that's a good bronze? question. Bronze is. They tend to wear the colors of their of their Asha, right? That's true. Not always, but they do tend to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's possible, but bronze is like, I guess it's closest to brown. Yeah. Or it is threaded with black, so she could be black Asha. Oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's just funny to me that Alviaren is, is doing this like, I'm going to over, I'm going to overthrow Masana or wait for her moment of weakness and then kill her because that did not go so very well for Leandrin. <laughs> Absolutely. No. It's like, good luck with that. <laughs> so chapter 26, the extra bit, Icon of the Dragon's Fang. Which is a terrible name for a chapter. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so, yeah, Cien and Pivara are, are on back. the hunt. I yeah. know. Oh, our, I, I love these guys. Our, I'm really our, happy to see them. Ice, yeah, if they ever do a spinoff, mm-hmm, if they ever do a spinoff, I'm totally watching it. Oh yeah, right. Can, can we call these guys like NDA Junior? I don't know. Like we got to come up with a good name for him. Yeah, listeners, send in your ideas for what we can call this detective duo. Yeah, right. yeah. And uh, from what Cien is seeing, the tower is in in a pretty bad shape. Like the way that you know, we we kind of get hints of this from Elida's viewpoint, but now that we're like on the ground, it looks really bad. Like the the Ajas are essentially at war with each other. Mm-hmm. It just feels like this is not going to be a difficult uh, thing for Egwene to uh, take. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. I, well, even if she takes them, it's going to be a bitch to clean this up. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So they're they're on the hunt for the Black Aja, and they're being extremely cautious about it. And they've got a plan. So Cien goes and brings a young white Aja... Aes Sedai down into the dungeons brings slash lures <laughs> yeah then it's real weird that this white Aja just sort of goes along with it this made me this actually made me super nervous because generally when people are hunting black Aja anywhere uh they they're gonna get killed by black Aja right like that <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I'm worried about these but, guys but these these people are not NDA these people are real detectives <laughs> that's a good point cuz they're, they're they're not like operation spring the trap they're like we're going to approach this logically and find a solution yeah I, and so I what they so... what they've done was they they found they poured over all the records and found somewhere where somebody appears to have lied yeah this this is like this is something that's actually been kind of bugging me subtly throughout this entire series it's like how do you prove someone is black aja because they can lie and you can't, it's like the kind of the, the, the one person tells the truth, one person tells a lie. It makes, it's like a kind of a tricky puzzle, but mm-hmm. yeah, but uh, they've, they've actually done a pretty solid job figuring this out. I, I was very impressed with their, their approach here. Yeah. They did catch this person out in the lie. So they, they take her down and they've stolen an oath rod. And the oath rod. I think they, there's only the one, right? Oh, is, is that the, right? There's only one? Only one in the white tower. We know there's another one uh, flitting around out there. And so they make her re-swear the oaths, and then they make her swear obedience to them personally, which seems to me to be going a little bit too far. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, like, if you're hunting the Black Aja, 
extreme measures are necessary. <laughs> yeah, and, and they told they tell her that, you know, oh, we're going to release you from the oath, you know, right away, uh, right after you, you know, prove to us you're not Black Aja, and then they just don't, and they never had the intention of doing that. Well, yeah. they, I think that they said when we're done, we'll release you from the oath, and they like it's it's very ambiguous the way they say it intentionally. Right, they do it in that Isidai lying way. Oh yeah, totally. I, sh- I sure hope that they, they those oaths she takes never conflict with each other. Any of the orders she gets. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, they find out, by the way, that she's not Black Aja at all, but she is from Saladar. She's part of the Saladar de- delegation. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of a win in their in their camp, right? Yeah, you know? it pissed me off, but yeah, they, they it totally wins. They found something, and, and she just burns the entire Saladar delegation. She names them all, because she we, has to, because she's sworn yeah, she's a mind control to. oath. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is like this this is uh, you're you're right, Jeff. This is not necessarily like good guy stuff that they're doing here. This is more evil wizard stuff. But you know, I mean, people have done worse in pursuit of a good cause, I suppose, in in the world. Yeah, uh, I found it very creepy. Yeah, it it is. It mm-hmm. is. Did we know that the oath rod could be used to free someone from the oath like this? I mean, it makes good logical sense as much as a magic stick that makes your makes you keep your promises makes logical sense. But do we know that? I don't know. I, I I think that these people didn't know that. So, well, either way, uh, I, I think as Alice pointed out, uh, we learned that if conflicting oaths happen, then you choke to death or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, because they try and get her to recant the stuff about Loghain, which she believes is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and wow, yeah. And so now they have an Aes Sedai slave. Yeah, I, I I do think that again it's kind of an evil plan, but I I think that their plan is very clever because this is like essentially a safe way that they can recruit new members. I mm. think they didn't need to make them swear obedience, right? Um, well, they just what, needed to make them swear the no lying oath again. Y- yes, unless they uncover somebody who is Black Aja, right? They 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 can't have the person going well, but, and telling anyone anyone else what they're doing. Yeah, well, then they just. You know, they're in the dungeons already, right? <laughs> they just put her away at that point. Yeah. I mean, but they want they want it they want to have more people working on this this plan and they have to be able to trust them, number one, to to actually go do what they say, and number two, not tell anyone else what they're doing because anyone else but to is, tell could be Black Aja. Isn't it the case that an Aes Sedai who swears an oath anyway, just because they can never tell they can never lie? There are this, they're bound by it. Like this oath of obedience and an oath of is, is like a totally different thing. Like they don't, I, I don't know. They clearly, they think they need this, but to me, it seems like they're jumping way into the dark zone. Yeah. I mean, it, it is uh it is pretty extreme for sure. I mean, they could make them just swear never to like tell about this investigation or something. Mm-hmm. That's true. But then they are busted by four sitters uh, who are, themselves scheming right like this is just sort of an overlap of people in the dungeons scheming <laughs> by the way i love this like this introduction because it's like this array of like the bad kids of the white tower <laughs> they're like <laughs> these guys probably have like tattoos and listen to punk rock or something they're like yeah, <laughs> yeah. smoke clove cigarettes <laughs> yeah. these are the troublemakers the cool sitters <laughs> i know it's great oh i love it and the the sitters figure out pretty quickly what's going on here and they and one of them grabs the oath rod and takes the oath uh, that that proves that she's not a black Aja. And then the other ones do. And then one of them refuses to take the oath, 
And she's like, this is insulting. I uh, gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. She's a witch. Burn her. Yeah. This is really cool. Yeah. Like it, like I, I, this, this chapter, like this whole scene would might've been one of my favorite parts in the series so far. Just cause like, <laughs> I love the little, their little duo. And I love this, like this little tableau of like these, like these bad kids. And they're all just like, <laughs> we're going to join you. And like, now they have this like really great, like this really, this, this crew that is thick with interesting character, I think, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely. I love it. Um, I, I do want to, point out a, a throwaway line that might be the only time I've actually heard this overtly referenced on uh, let's see. Oh, it's when they're being kind of interrogated by the little ambush I said I uh, I saw the pair of you sniffing about like ferrets of the hen coop, but I held my tongue. You might be pillow friends for all I know. Is Ooh. she implying that they might be gay? I mean, what else would a pillow friend be, right? That was my thought. Yeah, because I, I mean, I don't think Robert Jordan really ever overtly mentioned stuff like that, but it seemed like I referenced that. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I think you're right, uh, and that's the first gay stuff that there is in the books at all, right? As far as I can remember, yeah. As far as we've noticed, yeah. It, it, it's like like vaguely alluded to in in the. Um, What's it? Uh, I think the Aiel, they allude to the idea that it might be a thing among uh, near sisters or whatever, but but never never overtly said. So I don't know. Right. I assume that it's like it's like a fight club, but they don't want to get bruised, so they they strap pillows all over their whole body and then they then they fight. It's like MMA. <laughs> pillow sisters. <laughs> They're punching <laughs> yeah. each other with pillows. It's a pillow fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you say that to me with a pillow on, sister? <laughs> But yeah, this 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 little subplot might be my favorite thing. Like the, the when these people show up, I was like, oh my god, I hope they recruit them. And then they recruited them. It was just like so fucking good. I if the rest of the fucking book were about this this thing happening right here, I would be so ecstatic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it you know, I guess we have to move on to yeah. uh, other. Too bad Egwene's going to show up and kill them all. I know, right? It's a real bummer. So they cut to Tovein Gazal who is the woman that was sent to round up the black uh, tower, the Ashaman. Oh, yeah. With like a handful of sisters. Uh, yeah. She's finally moving Not in enough. on the black tower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is immediately captured by Loghain, of all people. I got to yeah. say, like, in my mind, this was going to go a whole lot worse than it does. Yeah, like, she doesn't know it yet, but she's lucky they didn't all just explode. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like they, they have a conversation, there's, like, a whole thing, and what happened to everyone else who crosses the Black Tower is they just pop, <laughs> like, rotten <laughs> yeah, grapes. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> so they, they, she has a whole plan, which doesn't work, to scatter uh, and round up, you know, all the Black, uh, Black, what do you, I was calling them black towers, all the Ashaman. Ashaman. Yeah. But of course there's so many more Ashaman than they think there are. The Ashaman chase them all down and then do something really weird. They, it look, it's like they bond them. It's a, like my, a order. I think it's, I think, I think, I don't think it's bonding. I think it's, um, what's it called? Uh, compulsion capital C. Oh really? I read it as bonding. Yeah. I mean, it's possible, Cause I, but. Cause it didn't seem, cause compulsion is supposed to be super duper hard, right? You can't just teach it to these schmucks and the, the ashaman that've been you know in school for a month. Well, there's gentler forms of it, I think, right? Like, like there's uh, you're. I think you're. Well, maybe you're right. I don't know. I, I guess I don't know. 
There right, are yeah, different but... levels of it. I remember it was, I think, Mogedian when um, she was trying to frag Nynaeve, remember? And she did compulsion and on some people she did it so bad that they like literally exploded. And she was mm. like, I could have done it more delicately. So I guess mm, there are okay. different levels. I mean, that's it. Anyway, they, uh, apparently Loghain has to kiss Tovan Ghazal to do this <laughs> because <laughs> that's just how they learn it. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry. This, deal, this is how they taught me to do it. <laughs> it gets super romance novel It's like a strong, handsome young man who could make oh, her yield you, with a single yeah. kiss. Turning you were picking his, that up too? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Turning his horse to ride back to the road, Loghain told her what he had done, and she put her head against that wide chest, not caring at all how big he was, and wept. Yeah. <laughs> she talks about how he's this is a big guy, like an axe handle across the shoulders, not like the boys she usually likes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. Oh. And this so. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It, it, this also answers a question I, I think we were discussing last episode about whether Ashaman learned how to shield people. And this apparently is yes. But yeah, this this is Loghain because we haven't heard from Loghain in a very long time. Um, but apparently Loghain is the one who's leading this little subgroup of the uh, Black Tower folks. Yeah. So he's like a, a sub leader of some kind with the Ashaman. And apparently he's dreamy. Well, they, everybody said that about Loghain, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's very attractive. Right. So, yeah, the the White Tower delegation to the Black Tower went very, very badly. Yeah, well, uh, no, you know what? I think it went medium badly because they're all still alive. <laughs> That's true, right? Usually when the uh, delegation of Black Tower acolytes meet somebody, it goes one way. <laughs> well, I mean, you might recall like what, what I was predicting was that essentially they were going to, uh, the Black Tower was going to encounter these uh, Aes Sedai and use them as a, a carte blanche excuse to go fight with Egwene's faction. It doesn't appear that that's mm-hmm. happening, which is great, you know? Yeah, it's true. This might be the best possible outcome. Actually, yeah. In fact, there might be a love connection, too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Chapter 27, The Bargain, Icon of the Rising Sun. Uh, Min is hanging out, studying Herod Fell's book. Yeah, Min chapter. Rand. Yeah, how yeah. long has it been since we've had a Min chapter? Quite a while. Uh, there's one in this book, I think, but yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, we find out here that the wise ones like Min. They think of her as an honorary wise one, but also that Sora Lee has beaten Min for information about her and Rand. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, it's not cool. But Min's not upset about that. She's just like, oh, well, the things you do for love. Yeah. I'd, I'd be upset about that. I'd be like. Yeah, I'd like, you should tell Rand about that. Right, yeah. and he would probably not be very happy about that. Yeah, see, it's it's interesting because Min is is kind of witness to Sorley and Cod Swain's goings on, right? Like maybe maybe not exactly to what degree because we know that they're in cahoots now, right? So, yeah. So, but she may not know that, but she does know that they are up to no good, essentially, right? Yeah. She should be telling Rand about this. Right, but she doesn't. It's and that's. I don't know. It's a weird thing. That's just, oh, it's normal among wise ones. They beat each other up for information. Apparently. I mean, the Aes against Sedai, people. The Aes Sedai do weird shit too, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Min has, in the meantime, invented a new style of clothing. <laughs> That's right. Is, sure she has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's a fashion in the city taken after her, which is just men's clothing, but t- cut really tight on the butt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'd be all right with that, you know. No, it's a good look. Yeah. And, uh, but then uh, Rand walks in and they start kissing. 
Yeah, he's back from his little dragon wizard rampage and looking for love. <laughs> and she's trying to, you know, dress him down a little bit because he didn't communicate with her very well. Um, and I, I thought she mentions his letters back to her. And I want to read these letters because I thought these were hilarious. <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> these are such bro letters. Uh, she's mad because you didn't know what was going on. And his first letter is, I have claimed the crown of Ilian. Trust no one until I return. Rant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because like I didn't it didn't re- occur to me that he's been gone that long, but like Ilian was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so th- that's the update she gets. He goes to conquer Ilian. He's like, did it? Good job. Trust no one. Yeah, and then the second one of the two letters he sent while he was gone is, I will return when I finish here. Trust no one. Rant. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? I'm like, dude. You're writing this to your girlfriend or whatever the hell they are. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody that, that that lets you, you know, put your dragon D in her and you, you, you owe her at least a little bit of information, you know, something. No, trust no one. Trust no one. I love, it. I love these emails home from Rand. Yeah, this is, I mean, uh, I, maybe Luce Theron wrote him. Who knows? Yeah. And then he receives a report from Dobrain, um, which... Basically, the, the highlights are that Padden Fane has disappeared. He's in the wind again. Mm-hmm. And uh, Caroline and Darlin, uh, who I miss, Darlin, yeah. <laughs> are being held by Cad Zwain. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, which can't be good. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want to say Dobrain is like another MVP here, right? Like, Do, Dobrain is running shit for Rand, like, in, in a pretty big way, right? Yeah, absolutely. This is the kind of guy Rand needs. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't seem to be very ambitious, or at least he keeps it tight, if he is. Right. <laughs> and uh, there's a, there's some more Min viewings about Caroline and Darlin. You know, Darlin's going to be a king of some kind. Right. Oh, my darling Caroline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but then uh, Mirana and Rafaela return, finally, with the Sea Folk bargain. We now find out what the bargain is. Yeah. You know, it... <sighs> It doesn't actually sound all that bad considering how the Sea Folk deal, right? Yeah. And I, I don't know how much Rand actually needs the Sea Folk, considering that he can teleport now. But still, he yeah. wants them. Yeah. But he really, really doesn't like the last bit of the deal, which is that they have to have a, a was an ambassador that's with him at all times. And uh, he has to answer summons, was it like once a quarter or something like that? Yeah, right. He has to give quarterly reports to the sea folk, mistress of the ships. Yeah, <laughs> which I, I mean, I, I get where he's coming from. That's a big pain in the ass. But the Aes Sedai are actually like, like he he's about to go off on the Aes Sedai, and one of them's just like, "No, fuck you, dude," because they are actually right about this. This mm-hmm. is what Rand should be doing instead of jacking around in the mountains with his wizard army. Like he has fucking <laughs> generals, right? Like Bashir could totally have run that war against the Shan Chan. Rand needs yeah, to be using better. his Tavran powers to mend nations and influence leaders. Absolutely. But no, he'd, he'd rather jack around. <laughs> yeah, I I was like, for you know, this is rare, but I was totally on the Aes Sedai side in this particular argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the other bits of the deal are that he won't change their laws, and uh, he'll give them ports, land for ports at all of his the, the cities that he controls on the water. And I kind of like the bit about how he won't change their laws like he's done to other people. I, I thought, like, you know, I, I almost expected them to have a, 
like, okay, and you, you know that thing you do where you kill somebody so hard that it goes back in time and kills them in the past? You won't do that to us. That's the deal. <laughs> I mean, that does seem like point one if you're making a deal with the Dragon Reborn. He's done that to, what, about half of the rulers of the people that he brought into his empire? Uh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, they were mostly forsaken, but, you know, still. Still, it's, it's good to cover your bases, right? It's all boilerplate language, standard <laughs> Seafolk deal stuff. That's right. That's right. <laughs> don't bail fire us please yeah <laughs> but Rand now has access to sea folks and their ships whenever he wants wherever he wants which is good you know, you know okay when I read this initially I was like that's that's good stuff right ships are important but actually ships are important if you don't have the power to teleport mm-hmm. I don't know if ships are as important as they would be in a normal uh, you know offensive it, they are if you need a navy against the Shanchen, though, right? Yeah, it's not like you can teleport out into the water and beat the Shanchen there. Can't you? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Can you, like, teleport out into the water and along with, like, a piece of, like, driftwood and sit on the piece of driftwood and blast them from, the, from the, your little piece <laughs> of driftwood? Um, that's a real madman battle plan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Uh, maybe he's going to teleport the ships around, right? Maybe that's his next, like... His next secret plan to surprise everybody is he's going to fight a land war in Shinar and he's going to teleport a bunch of sea folks on ships. <laughs> Just move the ships into the middle of the mountains. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I mean, like, yeah, if, if Rand has his calendar sword and he goes out to the ocean, at least he knows he's not going to kill any of his people, right? That's true, right? Yeah. What? He, just go crazy. Yeah. Have fun. What are you going to do? Kill a sea monster? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Anyway, uh, after this, uh, the maidens come in and beat Rand up for battling without them. Yeah, I mean, and, th- and this is a pretty dirty fight, but I guess he kind of did do the thing that they they hate the absolute most, right? Yeah, they they got off they got off lucky, I think here that he didn't go crazy on them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I and I think that going into it, the the maidens probably had an idea that they might die, and they just didn't care because the Aiel are weird like that. Right, yeah. Uh, he should have taken the maidens. He probably wouldn't have got shot in the arm like a dumbass. <laughs> I, I, seriously. He, he wouldn't have been laying there with the, those two ladies debating whether to cut his throat. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Aiel, among other things, are excellent scouts, right? Like, if he had taken them into the mountains with him, he would have known where everyone was. Yeah. There'd be no surprises. Uh, anyway. Then... Uh, Rand summons Cat Swain because Min says he needs Cat Swain and she snubs him. So he goes to her uh, because I guess he's not that good at the game of houses anymore. I guess. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I, I'm just glad that Rand is being aggressive about this thing with Cat Swain at least. Yeah. He's not like letting it sit forever. Like he did with the sea folk. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like he, but he, he doesn't know this, but he needs to deal with that situation sooner rather than later. Yeah. He doesn't deal with it the way I think he should. He tries to impress her by by storming in with his Asaman and casting a whole bunch of magic and trying to overwhelm her and impress her. He's tried that before, yeah. right? Has he? I, I feel like when they first met, he? he was like doing some, like, I'm a big wizard thing. And she's like, ah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't work this time either. Um, and he, he tries to like give her the crazy eyes and, and she's not having any of it. <laughs> The crazy eye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, instead, she treats him like a child with extreme contempt. Yeah. 
and only Min's viewing that he needs Cat Swain keeps him like here dealing with this crap. Yeah, mm-hmm. because she really treats him bad. Like I, I hate Cat Swain. Yeah, I, I hate her too, and I I don't actually understand. Like, I understand what she thinks is her her mission. I don't agree with it, whatever. But I don't understand why what she thinks is keeping her safe because she doesn't know about, about Min's viewing, right? Like, why does she? Why is she not afraid for her life right now? I. Well, I think she's like every other Aes Sedai. She thinks everybody who's not her is an idiot. Yeah. And she thinks that she can just treat him with contempt and he'll roll over and take it because that's how other people act to Aes Sedai. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's not exactly wrong, I guess, which is very frustrating because. Yeah, but it's not because he's going to like love it and he's going to become a loyal servant of her. Yeah. It's it's weird. I, I like. He needs to just have her swear his stupid fealty oath. That's what he really needs. Like the the, the way the other others were, have her do it at wizard point or whatever. Yeah, I kept thinking just like banner from the city, right? This person is working against you. Get rid of her. Yeah, and if she doesn't, then kill her, right? Yeah. Yeah, she sucks. Yeah, but Min is always right. Yeah, that he needs Cat Swain. And then she let's drop this thing about Kalendor, which I. I am very suspicious of. I I don't know if this is true or not, but she's like, oh, you have to have two women in a, in a circle with you, and the one of the women has to be leading the the channeling. I was like, this sounds uh-huh. totally like bullshit, right? Yeah, this yeah. this is very convenient for her purposes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I would not. I I I mean, I I already wouldn't trust her, but I certainly wouldn't believe this coming from her. You know? Yeah. And either either she's lying to him. Um, and that means she can lie, right? Uh, true. Good point. Yeah. And and she's she somehow got knowledge of how the battle went to, to use this against him, in which case, fuck her. Yeah. Or this is vital information that he should have had a long time ago that she has withheld from him up to this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in which other, case, in it also, fuck Cat Swain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, he's like, well crap that sucks and he storms off and he's thinking of using that other super saw on which is too powerful and will destroy the world right <laughs> i mean you know at this point he's uh he's pulled off that band-aid right just go to town yeah uh i really hope cat swain turns a corner here i don't like that character very much at all yeah mm-hmm. I, I i don't understand her purpose except to be uh an irritation at this point you know i don't know She's frustrating, and she yeah. she seems like somebody who's going to cause a whole lot of trouble and and oppose Rand's like legit ability to save the world. Yeah, you know, she reminds me of Moraine a lot, but Moraine mm. had she 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 proved herself a lot, at, you know, on several occasions. Yeah, well, like when when things got really when the when the chips were down, you could believe you you knew that Moraine was going to do the thing that was in the interest everyone's best interest if she could. Even if it meant yeah. costing her a lot, yeah, because she would. She really humbled herself at the end there for Rand because she was just so desperate for him to learn what she thought he needed to know that she really became subservient to him. Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine Cat Swain setting aside her pride, yeah, to to achieve this goal or to, you know, to help the world, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So as far, she the, she thinks on the other she, hand, I'm not sure which forsaken she is yet. <laughs> I, I I can't tell if she's a Forsaken or just a really shithead Aes Sedai, but I, it's it's very difficult to say. Well, actually, you know, Forsaken is an old tongue word that means really shithead Aes Sedai. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I, I do want to say that um, of the chapters we've read, this is my favorite chunk because there have been a couple, there were a couple really fun things in here, you know, like the whole thing with um, the, the, uh, that duo doing their little thing in the, the black tower, sorry, in the mm-hmm. white tower. And uh, then the little bit with like Loghain and um, that like Aes Sedai woman, like those were to me very like silly, but very enjoyable scenes. So I, I really enjoyed these chapters. Yeah. yeah. The book took a while, but it's really picked up. We had some fighting. We had those chapters. I agree with you. It's definitely gotten better. Yeah. Yeah. I would say my favorite was the battles with Rand in the last episode, mm-hmm. just because I love battles and I thought they were really well told. And Rand usually is a pill to read about, but he was actually kind of, I kind of got into him a little bit. You know, he's mm-hmm. in over his head. He's leading this battle. He's kind of crazy. He doesn't know what's going on. I don't know. Yeah. No, yeah, it, for sure. Yeah, it, the this book uh, for a long time felt like the book where nothing was happening, but now it's just interesting stuff happening. You know, it, it, it maybe it's minor stuff. It doesn't feel like it's impacting the world in any uh, big way, but it's still fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got a letter from my sister where she sent us a link to this interesting article on Tor.com about Randland, which is a name I don't like the name Randland for this world very much because it's a little bit QC, and you know I'm all about serious fantasy right right. you take your fantasy very seriously (laughs) but the point is and we'll put this article in the uh, notes Um, the point is that this world doesn't have a name the people in this world don't refer to it as anything Uh, they refer to other lands by names like shanshan or shara but they don't refer to their own land yeah it's interesting um and 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 the article is is rather short. There's not like a, a conclusion reached exactly, uh, but they they reference a couple points in this. The, none of these are spoilers or things that we've already read. Where they're just uh, various characters referring to the place that they are. In a couple places, they refer to it as um, Earth lowercase e, which is interesting because you know we we know, quote unquote, know that this book is set in either a far future or a distant past this planet, right? That's the idea. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's like, it's a kind of yeah. a cyclical thing. Um, but they don't actually name their place earth. Um, there, but as I mentioned, there's a couple of references in Tom Marilyn's first Gleeman speech. The quote is, I will tell of the time of madness when I said, I shattered the world of the Trolloc wars, when men battled Trollocs for rule of the earth. And that's again, lowercase E of the war mm-hmm. of the hundred years when men battled, battled men and the nations of our day were wrought. So there are places where they reference the place that they are as lowercase e earth, but not uppercase e as a name. So mm-hmm. they could, it doesn't necessarily indicate that there's a proper name. It could just be literally like the earth that they were walking on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, the closest conclusion thing they come to a conclusion is that it's kind of a missed opportunity because Jordan uh, spends so much time and energy and like thought in developing his worlds, it doesn't make sense that there wouldn't be a something like there's, there's no culture where they don't have a name for where they are one way or the other. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's gotta be intentional. It, it, it must be though, though, I, as far as I can tell, nobody seems to know exactly why that is. Uh, they, they, this is obviously kind of a joking conclusion, but uh, they, the argument of the, uh, the person who wrote this article is that, they, there's a missed opportunity here because while there isn't a word for uh, dirt, there is a word for earth, lowercase e, in the old tongue. 
and it is Zub. So they should have had, uh, <laughs> they should have called uh, the land Zub and then have Matt, you know, as like a kind of a comedic reveal say, uh, oh, it's weird that everyone calls this place the, the, the word for dirt in the old tongue, you know. I, know. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I could really get into this. Uh, Rand has got to lead the armies of light against the force of darkness to save Zub. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, it kind of, it'd be kind of a fun little nod, but uh, <laughs> there's no conclusion reached except that it feels like a missed opportunity to, to have a name for this land. Mm-hmm. And uh, surely if he had named it, it would have been something better than Randland. No offense, all <laughs> fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Was That's there another great. letter? Yeah, we got a letter from one of our favorite f- listeners and his question for us, and I don't really have a lot I can add to this, but his question was, what do you think makes Wheel of Time unique among fantasy series? The only other fantasy series that this listener has read are Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. So that was the question. How does it make it unique? And are there other great fantasy series you can recommend? Interesting. Okay. So the first thing that comes to mind is what's really unique about this is that it's epic, large scope, high fantasy written within what I would call an American voice. Mm-hmm. Right, because Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter are both written by uh, Britons, uh, or I don't know, they could be Scotlands or Irons or whatever. I don't. I, those they get really offended, but whatever. <laughs> They're UK people, mm-hmm. and they they have a, a British voice, and in so there's a lot of explicit class stuff in both of those series, right? Lord of the Rings and mm-hmm. Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And it's presented not in sort of a negative or positive light, just in sort of like, this is the way the world is. People are in different classes. And in The Wheel of Time, there are classes, but it's made very, very clear all the time that there's nothing special about the upper class. They're just the people that happen to be on top right now. And you know, the they, upper class they, people are usually kind of winkers too. Often, yeah. yeah. A lot of times, a lot of times the, the, the higher, probably if you did it statistically, the, the more powerful and prestigious a person is, the shittier they are. Uh-huh. Right, and uh, and vice versa. And they also he also makes a point several times of saying like, you know, this person so and so just so happened this high lord happens to have an ancestor that was a dirt farmer, and all these dirt farmers over here in Emmons Field they had ancestors that were all high lords. You know, class systems mean nothing. It's a it's sort of a historical meritocracy, yeah. and that that is unique in Wheel of Time. I think. Oh, that's a really good point. What about you guys? I I don't know. I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, uh. uh... I, I, we joke about this early on, but th- there are a lot of tropes that exist in the Wheel of Time series that I think you can find in a lot of fantasy novels. So um, thematically, I don't think it's especially unique, but I think that Robert Jordan uh, excels at writing certain kinds of things in a way that I, um, I think that makes the, the books unique in that way. He's He writes battles and wars like somebody who's been in one and uh he he i i think he writes his world like the 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 culture and the the history of his world like somebody who has a passion about history you know like he he Mm -hmm. he really uh revels in like the those kinds of things and i think that's that's maybe not exactly unique but but it's something that makes these books particularly like rich and uh, interesting. It gives, it certainly gives us lots of stuff to talk about. And I wonder if there's something there. And I mean, y'all will have to correct me because I know very little fantasy, but 
in his the his characterization of women because we bitch a lot about like yeah. gender politics and and sometimes it does feel like he kind of writes these tropes that can be seen as sexist but on the other hand i mean these books would pass the Bechdel test every time, right? You've got a lot of really powerful women who aren't necessarily standing around and talking about men. In fact, the most of the time they aren't doing that except when they're, you know, dumb teenage girls. So is there, I wonder if that's something that's unique as well. Yeah. Powerful, not necessarily sexualized uh, female characters. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. And I didn't bring it up, but you know, Lord of the Rings is, is pretty much male only. Yeah. Yeah. And Harry Potter has sort of a normal school age mix of genders, mm-hmm. but, and so it's not really about gender issues in a way that wheel of time is. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's an unusual thing in fantasy in general is to have a fantasy series that is about, that has kind of a theme other than how cool fantasy crap is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the, the theme of Lord of the Rings is how awesome is all this mythology type stuff. Mythology is super cool. Yeah. Right. And the theme of Harry Potter is friendship is magic. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. I mean, the, you're not wrong. Right? But the, the, but the theme is, the theme of Wheel of Time, you could actually make a good argument, is discrimination is stupid. Mm-hmm. Right? Which, like I was saying before, is kind of an American way of viewing things. And also is a, a, a much broader idea than fantasy usually engages with. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know that we give uh, Robert Jordan a hard time about uh, his approach to feminism a, a lot, especially early on. But I... I do have to say that, especially for writing of that time period, he he is exceptional in that he has these like relatively uh, well developed and and uh, important characters that are women, and that's like that seems like a no brainer. But it is not again at that time period. The the other kinds of fantasy writing that were out there didn't do that really, not as much yeah. anyway. And we should bring up the. Uh the big one that nobody's mentioned yet, which is uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure our reader has read if they're, they're into fantasy. It, Game of Thrones is quite good. Um, but it's, it's sort of historical. I mean, not uh, history. Histori- there's a word for it, actually. It's got historicity. It's not historic. I don't know that word. <laughs> yeah. anyway, it, anyway, it's written to, to mimic history in, mm-hmm. in sort of a fantasy context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really have, I, I wouldn't say it has a modern American perspective on things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's some very strong in, um, independent female characters in A Song of Ice and Fire, too, isn't there? Yeah, there definitely are. It's true. Yeah. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and, so, and so if you're looking for a recommendation, I would recommend Game of Thrones. <laughs> if you haven't mm-hmm. read them already, yeah. Or yeah, A Song of Ice and Fire, as the, as the books are called. Um, also, there's, there's something that I always recommend. It was never like a smashing success, but it's, it's called The Dagger and Coin. It's by Daniel Abraham, who is one of the two writers, I believe, that wrote The Expanse. And uh, it's a really good fantasy novel. The, the writing is not as good as Robert Jordan or George R. R. Martin, um, or even maybe as good as J.K. Rowling. But uh, it, it engages with ideas in a really, really interesting way that I, I find very relevant to today's world. Um, it's got a really cool world. Um, they, he does this thing where there's all these different, uh, what we would call races. Uh, there's, there's like cow people and dog people and like lizard people, but in the narrative, they only, they were just refer to each other as humans. Like everybody's just a human. 
you know, and like that's that's like they have words for what it is. But he and then the like the evil empire that you know because fantasy novels have to have an evil empire right. actually sort of introduces racism to the world, and that's one of the evil things that they do, uh, which is just an interesting perspective. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I I've also read them and I I love them and I and I think that um, they they just they take a, such an unusual approach to the storytelling. Like like the, in the first book, the um, it's it's like the central character and, and a lot of all this, a lot of the stuff's happening it's all centered around like a bank and like, the way that the bank interacts with these different yeah, nations. I, I read somewhere that in that series that the the original idea was to have a fantasy a big epic fantasy where the outcome of world events wasn't decided by just a sword fight or like a, a, a big battle right and it has battles but actually like finance is a huge part of what the books are about mm-hmm they're, they're, they're a lot of fun. I do recommend them as well. So that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 28 through 31, which is the end of Path of Daggers. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan on Twitter and Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. I'm Michael Sparkman. I don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We love hearing from you. And we might answer you on air. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Armadillo Podcasting Club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The the light light illumine you. you.